Holds. Looks now. Camp goes to the bench. Miner comes out and cuts in front of the net. It's gone. Holy Mackinac, what a move. Mitch Miner addresses two. Rangers cuts across the goal crease and outweights Shesterkin to win the game. 19 seconds into overtime. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Woo! What a finish. What a game. We are back. This is Leafs Late Night. This is Steph the Fanalist. I am joined with our friend Beaner. Beaner, how are you tonight? Oh, a lot better now that Mitch finally decided to show his skill in the overtime. <laughs> right? How good does it feel to end this in overtime on the first shift, especially, right? Oh. Yeah, so good. And it it was one of those kind of lackadaisical games for quite a bit of it. Like they mm-hmm. didn't, they were in it, they had a bunch of chances and then everybody kind of laid back. And then the last, oh, I don't know, five minutes at least of the third, they really picked it up to try to tie it, thankfully. And here we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny you say that because I sent out a tweet mm-hmm. on the Leafs first power play saying that they were buzzing the boys were buzzing the first period looked solid and then the game kind of went a little downhill Uh, I don't know what was going on but we knew it was going to be a challenge right Uh, facing the New York Rangers for the second time this season last meeting we dropped the game three to one so hoping to tie up the season series of course against Vesna past winner Shesterkin of course but hey Leafs were able to bounce back come on top and it feels so good. Yeah, especially against the talent like Shesterkin. Like, they showed it on the broadcast there. His stats in his first four seasons, his save percentage, is right up there in the top five all time with four other Hall of Famers and Jacques Plant, Esposito, Glenn Hall, and Ken Dryden. Like, the guy has played out of his mind since he came into the league even better than Vasilevsky for Vasilevsky's first couple of years and everybody's thinking he's the best goalie they've you know ever seen right so anytime you can get more than more than one really on Shesterkin you should be happy so the boys gave it their all and they they got it done tonight Yeah, and speaking of getting it done, I mean, last game, Keefe kind of juggled up the line starting the second period, trusted his gut starting this game, you know, our top six in their same positions, Marner and Matthews reunited once again, JT and Nylander, because they had that spark. I saw something on the broadcast that said, you know, uh, Toronto had 46 different line combinations so far this season compared to the Rangers' 50. That's just crazy to see a stat like that. Yeah, you can get kind of lulled into complacency, right? When you have something that works, like even Keith had said previously with the the Matthews and Nylander line, he didn't think he was going to keep it for as long as he did, because throughout we and we've mentioned it many many times on our podcast over the year that. If you're using the same thing all the time, then once someone can solve it and does solve it, then you're euchre, right? You yeah. try to change it up, but guys haven't played together all year, so it, it takes a lot longer to build up that chemistry. So if you're constantly changing it, it's just going to help you in the long run. Speaking of getting euchred in a sense, uh, the last time we faced the Rangers, they actually ended Mitch Marner's point streak. Oh, it hurts to say, right? So they're definitely a team who can, you know, do their studying and see what 
the other the opposition has to bring and tonight you know they had a one player in the lineup who had made his nhl debut uh will cooley who's from toronto (laughs) i was actually surprised to see that nothing happened with his name on it beside i don't know a hit or a shot there but or sorry four hits now that i'm looking at it But it seems like these teams always have a leaf killer. And on this team, his name happens to be Philip Heedle. Yeah. um, Well, there's there's been many of them over the years, even for the Rangers. But Heedle has really been on a heater. (laughs) Ha ha against the Leafs like he's uh he's, he's a good young player right they had that kid line in the playoffs last year with him and Kako and Lafreniere or Laffer and question mark I don't know if you saw those tweets about the, <laughs> the Jumbotron in the Scotiabank Arena that's pretty funny oh um, man what a screw up but anyways, nobody he, he pulled the old uh what was it like NHL 04 when you could do that right off the face off oh, and just bury God. it like that like he was on yeah. fire, but if you, I don't know if you caught it in the interview, they interviewed Sammy after the game and Sammy compared it to, you know, he, you, you play the lottery. Sometimes you get lucky. He got two <laughs> goals. Okay. Okay. I, I actually missed that interview. I caught the other ones, but my favorite interview of all time. I don't know. I love watching Sam Sonoff for some, he's just so genuine oh. and like, he doesn't hold back. Right. And his English is no. really great. <laughs> like it's not like listening to maybe I'm trying to think of a player, even Ilya Mikheyev, when he first came to the NHL, his English was pretty horrible. But Samsonov, man, he can get his point across and he becomes a character by doing so. Yeah, it, it's awesome. And it's nice to have a couple sound bites like that that are are like uplifting and humorous. Not that we haven't had that before. Like Campbell was, for the most part, he was a pretty positive guy, but at the same time, he had his moments where when he wasn't playing that well, he was a little down. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have something just completely different, especially for a market like Toronto. Definitely. And speaking of mic'd up in markets, I don't know about you, but I was really pissed tonight when we did not get any clips on our Sportsnet feed of Matthews because he was mic'd up for the TNT broadcast. Uh, I read a couple articles out there just, uh, I guess, signifying that since it's filmed in Toronto, you know, broadcasted in Toronto, uh, the Sportsnet would have rights over uh, taking their clips. And I, I don't know. I don't know the rules, okay? And clearly, it did not work that that way tonight. We got the clip from Barclay Goudreau, who made a little... It wasn't even funny, okay? I was just more pissed off that we didn't get anything from the Matthews show. Well, of course not. And, and for all the nights for Southey and Johnny not to be here, because if anybody knows anything about broadcasting in our group, it'd probably be those two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shout out to Southey, by the way. We miss you, buddy. You haven't been on yeah. in a while. Um, and obviously Roscoe. But yeah. um, no, I, I heard they were going to be mic'd up and it was pretty much a given that we weren't going to get much of anything, if anything at all, because that's the way it's happened in the past. It's I don't know if Sportsnet isn't willing to pay the money because I'm sure they would have to give a, some sort of a payment to TNT for that. And it definitely wouldn't surprise me considering who owns Sportsnet that they would be too cheap to pay for it. Well, they sound like they'd rather, you know, guide their viewers to purchasing a VPN or some sort of method to get the clips than pay them big bucks and give the viewerships to the fan you know like it would work out in their favor if they actually just provided because tonight on twitter anyways i saw lots of complaints about the panel about just the overall broadcast and all i had running through my mind was you know last year we got the austin matthews infamous jaw dropped meme from one of the nights that he was mic'd up after a spezza snipe during a uh, uh, la kings game and then another time uh, arizona game he was mic'd up and 
remember he was like oh my god that was so nasty or the infamous i love you johnny like, right after the goal so i yep. feel like we were robbed of that experience yeah i don't i don't know there there might be something with uh like liability issues because you know it's it's harder to control what's being said unless i guess you're not really playing it live but i i'm I'm not well versed in that kind of thing, but I know anything involving the media giants in Canada is always just the absolute worst for the consumer. Yeah. Oh, guys, get on board. <laughs> okay. I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> but, anyways, we're fortunate to be, you know, closer to the GTA to get the broadcast rates here. Uh, sorry, Johnny Subby. Uh, miss you, Darty, as well. And, um, yeah, miss you, Johnny. I, these guys are working, okay? If you're wondering why it's just the two of us guys, it's because they're making big money right now. I'm just kidding. But um, first period, well, let's just jump into it. Uh, just to start off the game, another thing to um, note, <clears throat> excuse me, no anthem singer. Big snowstorm in the GTA today. We don't know what happened, but honestly, saw some complaints on Twitter as well. I just got to put it out there. Jimmy Holmstrom, who is the Leafs organist, has been doing this gig sin since 1988. And he is a follower of the Leafs Late Night account on Instagram. I'm very, very proud to announce this, okay? So <laughs> just let me have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the they were calling for a storm, calling for a storm, and... I don't know about you, but any time they've called for Snowmageddon or the big storm over the last six months, year, any time they've called it, we've got next to nothing. So yeah. I was kind of expecting more of the same. And for most of the day, that's what it was. And wasn't until probably about two o'clock that it started coming down here and it, it still has not let up. Um, my wife's gone out and she shoveled the driveway before I got home because she was home already and... I'm going to have to go and shovel it again when we're done here. <laughs> yeah, me too. So if I'm dragging this pod, I apologize. No. <laughs> um, yeah, same deal here. We're on the opposite ends, you know, the spectrum of uh, Ontario, of Toronto. Sorry. You're on the way west side near closer to London. I'm on the east end in Durham region. And it's the same deal. So I'm thinking about everyone who got stuck in that today. But yeah, tonight, you know, the Leafs started on time. Uh, first shot on net. Love to see it. Absolutely goes in, it, especially from our fourth line, right? A lot of talk with especially Kerfoot moving down to the fourth line. We had Joey Anderson drawing into the lineup for the first time since December 27th. And Connor Timmins out and bringing Jamie Ben or Jordy Ben in. Whoops. <laughs> so what a backhand. There's yeah, that was absolutely beautiful. There's um, there's a lot of talk of of Holmberg and Anderson and Czar kind of alternating in and out to keep everybody fresh because of the potential of a deal involving one of or both of Kerfoot and Engvall, right, to help clear cap space if you wanted to make that push and do a big splash at the deadline. So it's it's nice to see that even if it doesn't happen, they're they're being prepared, right? They're making sure that no one's sitting around being cold and having to be thrown into the fire at the worst possible time and not have played in months. They're keeping everybody fresh, getting everybody lots of reps, and it's it's creating a good, healthy competition in the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know, they spoke on the broadcast during intermission there that maybe Keith is looking some for some extra scoring, especially since Joey Anderson has been doing extremely well with the Toronto Marlies, right? And uh, Chris Hurley on Twitter actually pointed out, uh, if you notice their ice time between the, or the fourth line and the third line, maybe it could be a possibility that, you know, Keith is going to try and use a 3A and 3B situation compared to the traditional fourth line. But as the game progressed, I see why that didn't happen, so to speak. Um, just looking at the ice times now, we had Bobby McMahon, 1033, uh, Holmberg, 631, Anderson, 4, 
457. And I guess Kerfoot was moving around there. But interesting situation. What do you think about that being doing like a 3A and 3B? One focusing on the offensive side, one focusing on the defensive side of things. It's they've almost kind of been doing that with their first and second line for the past couple of years, right? Yeah. Like as much as you want to say whatever line Matthews is on is the first line, there's nights where he doesn't have it, offensively at least. So they've really got a 1A and a 1B. So if they wanted to do the same thing on the bottom six with a 3A and a 3B, that's it, it, it's in, in essence, it's almost perfect. Yeah. Because then it doesn't matter who's out there. You can cycle the top six as a, as a unit and you can cycle the bottom six as a unit and you won't have that awkwardness of, you know, if camps out there and McMahon goes off and Kerfoot comes on, well, he's not going to be thinking in the back of his head, ah, oh, crap, we're doing a line change. Maybe I need to get out of here right now. It's, hey, this is still our, our six. Let's continue cycling through and working this as a unit and see if we can build something here. So if you can get a top six that you like and a bottom six that you like, that's, in my opinion, that's the ideal circumstance that will just, excuse me, will just benefit us come playoff time. Absolutely. Totally agree. Uh, all we have burning in the back of our minds are the, you know, the Nick Pauls of Tampa Bay and the bottom six forwards who just cut the throats of the Leafs to, I guess, push them over the edge. And that's exactly what we need. And let's just jump to one question here since we're on the topic of Holmberg. Zapper at VNY, VI Blue and White on Twitter asks... With Holmberg and continuing to impress, are you as curious as am I to see him play at 3C with some offensive talent around him? Nothing against Kampf. I just see a much higher offensive ceiling to Holmberg than Kampf. There definitely is that. Um, Kampf was brought in as a shutdown guy. Like his, I can't remember how long it took for him to get his first goal as a Leaf, but Basically, once he did that, he almost tied what he had his entire career with the Blackhawks. Like, the guy's yeah. not an offensive juggernaut at all. Um, yeah. But defensively, he's ridiculously reliable. He is the guy you want out there to shut things down. So it, it's he's still very valuable to the team. Um, with Holmberg, if you can get him comfortable enough to be able to handle those minutes, and like we were just saying, if if it ends up being a 3A, 3B, that's probably ideal mm-hmm. because then you can shelter him a little bit. You can give him more of the offensive zone starts rather than the defensive zone to help build him up so that he is in that role and comfortable being in that role. Because I completely agree. He does have a higher offensive upside than Camp does. And he's showing the 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 little bit of grit that he can handle you know, the tougher guys in the NHL and he's definitely got the speed and the skill to do it. So it's early days still, but it's definitely very promising. I totally agree. Camp is our calm and steady defensive forward from our bottom six. You know, that center, that's super reliable. Clearly, Keefe puts him out there to start the OT. Like these types of situations, he's not a scorer, but he can get the puck to the next guy. And I love how Pontus Holmberg drives the play. He's not afraid to take the shot, use his body. He looks like he's been playing in the NHL for three years at least. He does not look like, you know, someone new to the league whatsoever, in my opinion, anyways. And, you know, when Camp scores, it's such a nice touch. Like, it just makes me so happy inside (laughs) because it's like David Camp, the king of every other stat, except, you know, scoring and the offensive side of things. And when he scores, it's just the cherry on top of a Leafs game. Yeah, and what you were saying there about Holmberg driving and, and, you know, carrying the play and making sure that his, like, his line is in it every shift, that's something I've really noticed about all the guys they've called up forward-wise from the Marlies over the last little while. And it's not like these are high-end first-round picks that you're expecting a lot out of. Like Bobby McMahon, Pontus Holmberg, and Joey Anderson, they're all the same. Yes, they're trying to prove themselves when they're out there, but no matter what's going on, even if they've already scored 
that you know when you might be able to hold off a little bit and kind of take a take a step back they're not every shift out there they're playing they're giving it their all and they're really able to force the play which is what you need like what tampa got from a paul or haggle right so it's it's very promising very 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 nice to see rather than someone come up from the minors play you know, four, five, six minutes and have almost no impact. Like Anderson was only out there for 457, but I did notice him a handful of times still. And speaking of that, um, just to jump ahead a little, to end the second period, Joey Anderson played approximately three and a half minutes and he had an apple and two drawn penalties. So it just goes to show, like for me anyways, Joey Anderson was all over the place tonight with the limited ice time he had. There has been other games where, not going to lie, like before Christmas, not the same kind of impact, but it's kind of obvious to me now, especially at this point in the season with how these guys are playing that, you know, roster spots don't come easy and it's the next guy up, the next hungriest dog. And this is exactly what we've been preaching since training camp, right? Like it's like they listen to Leafs late night finally and, you know, they're, t- they're taking it to heart. Uh, I, I, I wish. OK, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> first period, you know, not too much going uh, happening after that Pontus Holmberg goal the Leafs had a too much man penalty of course too much too many buds on the ice but they were able to stop the Rangers on the power plays uh no power play goals tonight for the Rangers uh limiting them to I believe four to six shots total not too many chances and yeah the first period, you know, I found that Matthews, Marner, few missed connections. I know they don't play as often, but it was clear they were trying. It was clear that they were trying to find each other and make those plays. And sometimes they all aren't going to connect. Yeah, it doesn't matter how well you're playing or how often you've played with the guy. You're going to have games where you just nothing is going to go your way. No matter how hard you try, no matter how many opportunities you get, how many giveaways the other team has, you're going to have those games. And we've we've said it a couple times again this year, when you can show that even if you're not at the top of your game, you can hang around in the game long enough to come back and salvage a point or even a victory. That's the little things that, you know, our team has probably been without for quite quite a while maybe longer than they should have been mm-hmm. and it's it's really nice to see like we're still gonna have stinkers we still gave up you know two points to montreal last saturday that sucks but yeah at the same time maybe it helps ensure that bedard stays out of our division so, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like yeah it's it, i i agree with you they they definitely didn't look themselves tonight. Even really last game, it was mainly the Nylander line, right? Yes. So it's it's going to happen. It's a, a minor slump, but like Marty always says, I'd rather slump in January, February than in the playoffs. Yeah, and I'd rather have someone show up than nobody at all. And last game, Nylander and Tavares just absolutely dominated, especially with a six-point period. Uh, The game prior to that, it was the poppy show, right? He just absolutely took the game into his own hands. And this is when we're talking about the bottom six and the D coming through, when our top six cannot get anything connecting, going, This is the times where we're being real picky, guys, okay? Because playoff time, it's go time. And to start the second period, you know, Matthew Selk, you know, Austin Selkie Matthews, second overall in the league in for forwards and blocks. Holy fucking shit, first of all. And second of all, it's unfortunate because the next face-off right off, Hito Stick goes in. I don't know if this puck even touched the ice off the face-off. It didn't even look like it. (laughs) It looked like he just whipped his stick and it went straight into the net. Um, They said they haven't seen anything like this since Gretzky doing it in the, what, 1981 or something. Um, I haven't seen it since I played NHL 2004. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's definitely something you 
see almost never in the NHL. I've actually done something like that in ball hockey and I had something like that done to me in ball hockey when I was in net. Um, <laughs> definitely very embarrassing when that happens to you, but good on them and, and the wherewithal to notice the fact that Kampf was so set and focused on that face-off draw. He didn't even notice that Heedle switched his hand around because they slowed it down in the broadcast to show it. And it's, it's really, when they catch things like that, it's really nice and it's a good, change from their normal narrative of trying to bash everybody it was really subtle and really neat to just see him kind of recognize that and go oh, okay you're not paying attention you're so focused on that draw well let's just throw it right on that and and it worked out for him even Nylander was praising him after the game which yet again another great sound clip there Nylander's always good for a couple so yeah, definitely. Got to give him props, even though he's not a bud. Got to give him props on that goal. So, um, but the next one, you know, Leafs are trying to get the puck out of the zone, and they thought they were turning the puck the other way, but the Rangers keep it alive and make a quick play that goes from Kako to Laffy and or Kako, sorry, Dipsy Doodles around Hall going down on one knee, and Geo's also two or around Hall. Yep. Hall, yep. Hall, Hall? Yep. fuck. <laughs> oh, I Sorry. It's something in my throat or something. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. Justin Hall, let's not hate too much because he has been pretty decent. Okay. And this play, Gio was eating shit. He was flopping. You know, he didn't have his, his man on the one timer and it goes, of course, right past them. So off. Who do we blame here? Who like, it's not even like who do we blame, but was this one of the, I don't know, someone looking the other way and something happened too quickly or what What really happened here to you in your business? This was all five of them as a unit. Yeah. Like it, I, I know they didn't, but it seems like they had about 98 different chances to clear the puck and get it out right. of the zone and they still couldn't do it. Like I, I'm always going to, as bad as it sounds, I'm almost always going to pick on Hall because no matter what he does, he seems to be glaringly right in the middle of every mess up. Like Bunting had it right out in front of the net, couldn't clear it. Marner had a couple whacks at it, couldn't clear it. Geo chased his guy way out to the point, couldn't clear it, and then Hedl came in and behind him. Like It's a, wow. a comedy of errors for the whole five-man unit. Yeah. Uh, I do want to note, though, Morgan Riley, uh, a lot of hate on him, especially being on the ice for a five of five and five goals. Tonight, he was a plus one. And also the ice uh, time leader, 28-15. The second behind that was 23-10. I know I kind of went a little off topic. I saw that and I was like, what? I was surprised. I guess, you know, feeding that point now, Morgan Riley taking that shot from the point also i noticed uh thank you morgan riley you're really making my dreams come true um <laughs> 87.8 mile per hour shot on the next power play opportunity but hey back the hall for one sec you know i'm gonna give him a break here okay just Things are looking good. I mean, Connor Timmins made a few couple mistakes the last few games that led to goals. So we'll just let this one slide because we won the game. Okay. <laughs> I And I get it. And I know in the past I've been overly critical of Hall. And I even called myself on it earlier this season when he was playing really, really well. When everybody was out of the lineup, he stepped up in a big way. And he had a, a stretch of games where he played really well. The best we've ever seen him play in the NHL. But maybe it's just me. Maybe other people aren't seeing it this way. But I feel like every t every game, he does at least one, if not multiple, like bonehead moves. What are you doing? And last mm -hmm. year, he was always in the crease on top of Campbell for some reason. Like he was basically <laughs> preventing Campbell from making the save, which just was mind-boggling. But he doesn't really do anything massive or like to 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 counteract it right at least timmins you noticed timmins offensively 
Yeah. When he is in the offensive end, he can create chemistry with the guys. Doesn't matter who he's out there. He can pass it around, zoom around the ice. It's very, very rare anymore for Hall to do that and not have a glaring giveaway. Yeah. call call me like anybody that's listening call me out if you want because i maybe i'm missing something here but i i could be completely anti-hall biased you're not wrong right like our the eye test a lot of this time tells us these things and especially when the camera zooms in on it you're kind of you you can't not smell the shit if it's right in your face <laughs> but no credit to hall lately i know we all make mistakes we're human and just to touch on connor timmons for one sec uh heard a rumor that the leafs are interested in extending him um it's good to note that he's played more games than victor medte uh jordy jordy ben um so far that's listed on the lineup tonight uh, there's a rotation but 19 games 12 points so far on the season for Connor Timmins kind of what the Leafs the Leafs need because even after the Timothy Lilligren goal in the third period I saw the stat they're 29th in the league among defenders scoring on the team so this yeah. is a problemo for me anyway yeah, it's a stat that definitely looks really bad, but then you factor in the fact that at one point didn't they not have their top four defensemen out at the same time? Like they've lost a lot of man games to injury just on the back end alone, so and that's true. not like not even really factoring in Muzzin, who, for all intents and per- purposes, is probably never going to play again. Yeah. Like, so but. Uh, you know, you, you can always try to find a, a silver lining to everything. And that this year has been Timmins and then Lily and Sandine stepping up massively. Lilligren is showing why in his draft year he was being touted as, you know, potentially number two or number three overall pick. He was talked about being a very, very high pick that year and ended up catching mono and he missed a massive chunk of the season. So he dropped to the Leafs. Thank God. Yeah, totally agree. This guy, this kid has been the ultimate, you know, success story for development processes. Uh, Even in Leaf games, guys, this guy roofs the puck over the glass and says, I'm so sorry, everyone, and gets a goal in return. Like, I mean, Lily... He's just always up in the play. He's finding loose pucks like he did on this goal, and he's able to bury it. Like, he leans into his shots. He has his defense partners back at all times, just like the previous game when Gio ate shit and he was right there to help him out. <laughs> you know, like, it, it happens all the time. And Lilligren, it, I'm at a loss for words. He's just one of the better defenders on our team, and it leads me to this question. Sorry, this question that I'm looking for. Okay, Zapper <laughs> at VI Blue and White. So sorry, guys. The second uh, part of his question says, the first part, sorry, has Lilligren surpa- surpassed Riley as the Leafs' top demon? That's a loaded question. That's heavy. It is. Um, I would say not as of yet. Like, there's definitely the potential there that at some point he could be the best defenseman on the Leafs, and I would love it if that's the case. You know, even if he just ends up being a a very, very good top four, that's still a win. Um, Riley's getting a lot of flack, not not near as much as Hall, but he does a lot of things that are very underappreciated in this market. And he would be, especially at the price tag he's at, he would be scooped up in a heartbeat if he became available. There is 31 other teams in this league that would love to have him on their roster. Hell yeah. Just like how I scooped him up in one of our fantasy leagues after one person decided to drop during injury. And you I know I mentioned this before on the pod, but it reminds me of this every single time because the name alone, right, on this elite team that's getting power play points scoring opportunities i know he hasn't broken the ice yet but just the core he plays around and he is a part of this core there's so much hate for morgan riley um 
sometimes the eye test, you understand it, but honestly, longest tenored bud, the value that he brings to this team. He almost played 30 minutes tonight. He's irreplaceable from the roster alone. I mean, Gio has the experience. He's won a Norris. Uh, I don't want to discredit him whatsoever. I love Gio. I I love everyone on this roster, okay? Obviously, I'm a homer. But Riley is our man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, like, where are you going to, despite whether you think he plays well or he has a lot of bad games or however you think of his play, how are you replacing those minutes? Because you don't want Jordy Ben to come in and play 28 minutes. You don't want Victor Mate to come in and play 28 minutes. Con- like as much as I was just talking up Connor Timmins, I don't think he's ready to be playing 28 minutes on a regular basis in an NHL game. Yeah. And like, for no, everyone at home yelling at you, Bean, sorry to cut you <laughs> off. They're saying, we they did it when he was on LTIR. How did they do it then? Talk to those yeah, folk. Yeah, for, for a shortened period of time. You don't want a 39, 40-year-old Mark Giordano playing those minutes for an entire 82-game season. Like, anybody can be Superman for a, a short period of time, right? You... Yeah, it's... I, I'm one to talk because I, I was just bashing Hall, and I'm sure there's people out there defending him. And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying anybody else is right or wrong. But he provides so much to this team and he doesn't get the respect for it. And those are valuable minutes that you cannot just replace on a win. You can't. So would you argue that Timothy Lilligren is number two on the team in the defense core? Where would you put him? I actively on the on the roster like playing right now 100% he's number 2 as much as i love geo i don't want to disrespect him yeah um with how they've all been playing he's been playing like our number 1 for quite a while now yeah definitely even when riley's back in he has been playing like our number 1 everyone healthy i'd probably put him right there with brody as a number 2 yeah, the slight offensive edge that Timothy Lilligren brings, I would place him just past Brody, even considering the experience that Brody brings, you know, from being Gio's former partner when he won the Norris Trophy. And, you know, Gio is so valuable as well, but you do have to factor in the age. Um, much appreciation for what he did. Don't get me wrong. Thank you, Gio. Love you. So glad you're a Leaf, man. <laughs> But we're not bashing Geo guys. We love them. Yeah, we're not bashing them. Yes. We're just trying to look at it realistically. It's a tough question. Lily is young. He may look like he's forty, but he's young, <laughs> and he's doing it for us. And uh, one thing I have to note too on this goal that is so important: Nylander, four hundred career points, getting that secondary apple. JT with the first. Fast or eighth fastest in Leaf history to reach 400 points um, alongside, you know, so many other milestones this year. Matthews Marner hitting 500. JT's coming up on his thousandth, thousandth game on Sunday. So it's just been a year of celebration and I'm loving it. Yeah, Tavares had his 400th goal this year as well. Yeah, love it. But yeah, this goal does not decide the game. It does decide that we are going into overtime. And Samsonov was absolutely amazing in this game. I do have to give him credit. 9.31 tonight. um, Made some epic saves um, when the time was right. And Matthews was super close. JT right off the post as the horn sounds. Almost ending the game right there and then. But lo and behold, you know, we start overtime. We have Cam, Lily, and Marner on the ice. And Marner just doesn't waste no time, right? Takes it right into his own hands. Cam looking for the change to get Matthews on the ice. Matthews is not even needed. Marner waits, enters the zone, goes around Shesterkin, and sneaks it right past his toe. Oh, my God. This was disgusting. Yeah, it was it was interesting, and I wonder what the mindset would have been 
like the thoughts going through Marner's head for that because so many times in three on three overtime, you see the team win the face off. If they can't go in right away, they'll circle back in their own zone and they'll even circle back maybe two, three times before trying to go back in. And so we've seen it a couple times already. Matthews or Tavares or someone will be in the zone and then they'll turn around and go back out, right? There's the possession is so valuable in overtime that they don't want to give that up. So you see Marner come in. And as he's coming in, Camp goes off for the change to get Matthews on. Martyr cuts over to the sidewall. And 98% of the time that you see overtime, he would curl back, either drop it to Matthews or entirely leave the zone to try to come back in for a better opportunity. And he just says, nope, fuck it. I'm going in. And dangles everybody and just buries a highlight real goal. Like the times you're, <clears throat> excuse me, watching OT and you have this perfect play drawn up in your mind and you're like, I bet he can fit through these three players because he's elite, dangle, do his thing and score. So easy. Finally, like it just happened before my eyes. Like I, a dream came true. This guy does not, did not hesitate and finally just went and took the shot, took some notes from William Nylander and his OT winner uh, when he did that last. And that leads me to a next question. SC Morgan on Twitter asks, who did it better, Willie Styles or Magic Marner with their one-on-three OT winners? Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say Marner for this one. Um, he added the little Bobby Orr flare diving through the air for the finish and he really had to stretch out and tuck it, like overextend himself to have the puck out past the net, almost at the goal line, and then tuck it back in behind Shesterkin as he's falling. It was it was just absolutely beautiful. Oh, beauty. Honestly, it's so hard to how how do you pick, right? Um, both take take the puck into their own hands. They end the game without even looking around. Usually Marner's looking for that next pass, but no, this time he kind of saw the open ice and thought, uh, I'm going to fit right there and just did it. And, you know, kudos to both because they both won the game. And yeah, I don't know. Hard for me to pick anyway, but just move it on. Nick at ITR Nick asks, why is Samsonov not the starter? And then Matt, Mike at Mike the Fanatic, how do you not keep playing Samsonov at this point? He's cl- he's the clear cut number one goalie. I know Murray needs to play some games, but I would hundred percent come back with Sammy again on Friday. Well, Nick, he has been the starter for the last couple games, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, all joking aside, we we briefly talked about it. I feel like I say this before I say everything. Last episode, um, <laughs> that when you have players, when you have keepers like this, you can go and just do a tandem, like ride the hot hand. There's no reason to overplay any one guy because, as much as I love Sammy and as much as I have grown to love Murray with his time with the Leafs, and they've both had amazing stretches this year. They're not Shesterkin. They're not Vasilevsky. They're not that top, top tier goalie that's going to be in the running for Vesna every single game or every single season. So if you know you don't have that, be open and honest with them. Tell them, look, we're going to do a timeshare. If one of you gets hot, we'll run with you. But aside from that, we're going to keep you both fresh. We're going to keep you both busy and try to put ourselves in the best possible position to have team success at the end of the day, which when you have two guys that are trying to prove themselves, two guys that have battled injuries off and on, I I can't think of a better scenario for either of them. Yeah, this is like, honestly, especially at this time in the season, all-star break is coming up. I think Murray can take a little extra rest and do what he has to do. And you're absolutely right, Beaner. Ride the hot hand. I mean, first we handed the L to Hellebuck, who's an all-star goalie, 974 for Sammy. Sorokin, 939. Shesterkin, 931. Back to the torch and top tendies convo. Like this guy is clearly in the conversation because now he's undefeated in regulation at home, still 14 0 and 1, leading the NHL uh, at least top, I think 
two in goals against average. And I don't know, he's on the charts. And it's it's clear that he deserves the start. Uh, I mean, we're all smiling. And <laughs> it's so nice to get the points right, be- right before All-Star uh, week, right? Like how we predicted, you know, you might lose a couple after the break. And these are um, cup contending teams as well. So it feels even better because you may see these teams in the playoffs. Yeah, and like this week alone, he has played against three goalies who on any given season are going to be in contention for the Vesna. Like if it wasn't for the fact that Allmark is using a cheat code this year, Sorokin, Shesterkin, and Hellebuck could be your final three for Vesna voting. And he's been right there with him. Like you said, he's second in the NHL right now for goals against average. He's got a 20 or a 16, four and two record in 22 games played. Like that is great for this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Even Shesterkin, right? He was four, one and O against the Leafs before tonight. Sammy, thankfully putting him in the L category, making it four, two and O one, nine, nine GAA against Toronto. Man, like the Rangers aren't a, aren't an easy team to play against. There are American twinsies, right? So, yeah, good game tonight. So happy to see the Leafs bounce back, especially after being down uh, in the second period. Coming back in the third, t- uh, getting the win in OT after PTSD first half of the season, just nightmares of OT, right? We didn't even want to think of OT happening, but... Our core finally showing us that, hey, they can take the game in their own hands if they just put their mind to it. Belief and take the shot. Yeah, it just took them, you know, a quarter of a season to figure out how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... One thing I do want to mention before we leave tonight is that there was a tweet that was, um, it came up again. Uh, it was from 2016 and it it's related to the whole tanking discussion and Gary Bettman saying, like you said earlier, Bean, it's absolutely impossible since we have a drafted lottery. It's weighted. La 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 la. Well, guess what, bud? Guess what the Leafs did in 2016? Let me read you this lineup um, from February 20th, 2016, before the Matthews and the core, you know, Matthews and company days. So the first line, Komarov, Kadri, Holland. Second line, Greening, Arcobello, and Parentu. Third line, <laughs> Mattia, Spalling, and Winnick. Fourth line, Clune, <laughs> Froze, and Boys. Um, and then we have Leo Levo. That year, Komarov went to the All-Star game. <laughs> and Perrin 2 scored 20. Do you remember those days, Beaner? I do. Um, aside from Kadri, the only, like, well, I guess Riley as well. But Komarov was my man just because he did a little bit of everything and he was a pest. I absolutely loved watching Uncle Leo out there. Um, Yeah. For everybody that complains every time the Leafs have one loss or one bad shift or something like that, like what would you rather? Would you rather go back to that roster? Absolutely not. Yes, it sucks with the first round exits that we have had, but we are witnessing history. We are witnessing one of, if not the best eras in this team's storied history. And it's one of the oldest franchises in the sport. Like you got to sometimes step back and, and look at it that way. Yeah, it sucks. It's very, very disappointing, but this is still, this is what you want your roster to be. This is what you want your team to give you excitement, to give you hope that you could legitimately win any game you're in. Yeah. All those Nylander haters from back in the day. I know I definitely had my fair share of things to say, and especially about any pl- any player, right? We're armchair GMs at the end of the day. Uh, our eyes are the only things that's telling us what's going on. We don't know what's going on in the locker room or practice, etc. But we're so fortunate. And even when Matthews, uh, this is just an inter- interesting point I saw online as well. 
when people were talking about his slump, you know, Matthews isn't scoring, uh, is he even going to make 50, blah, blah, blah. He was still on pace for like 38 goals. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty good when people are complaining about your elite scorer and they're still on pace for that amount of goals a year. Like that just shows you alone that how elite, I don't know, what's another good word? Elite, elite, elite. This guy is phenomenal. He's he's generational. When yes. like you go back, it wasn't that long ago that Jamie Ben led the league in points. Oh my God. Remember that? Right. Like you could go back even, you know, you had Aginla, Kovalchuk and Rick Nash share the Rocket Richard trophy at 41 or 42 goals. Wow. Like the 38 goal pace in the early 2000s, that would have been close to leading the league. Like the, the guy is a talent like people haven't seen in the league in, in forever. And that's with Crosby. Right? Like, yes, Ovechkin has been probably the best goal scorer the NHL has seen. Yeah. Potentially all time. But people aren't even really considering, like, taking that into consideration because Ovechkin's had this consistency. But so has Matthews. Even with his injuries, he has been consistent his entire career. Even when people think are thinking he's playing like garbage or playing bad, not only is he still right at his normal numbers, because last year was an was an exceptional year. You don't see 60 goals many times anymore. So that's not going to be the new normal as much as we'd love it to be. And he does have the talent for that to happen. But he has even come out and said that he's taken, you know, a little bit off because he doesn't really care about individual success anymore. He wants to win. He wants to have that team success. And if it costs, you know, him being a, a 50 or 60 goal scorer again, instead he's going to score 38 or 40. I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's clear. Uh, when people make these statements, it's kind of like, tell me you didn't watch the game without telling me you didn't watch the game. <laughs> like, if you did score a goal sort of thing, it's kind of like ha- the only thing that matters to some fans, it seems. But it's okay. Like, we won't judge you. Um, we're just saying, like, there's proof and facts behind our statements. But <laughs> anyway... Honest, honest answer being, who do you think is actually tanking this season in the NHL and who actually has the best odds to do so? Um, well, we'll see a better, a, a better and a more accurate, let's say, view of that come trade deadline to see who moves who. But Chicago got a head start on it, man dealing away Kirby Doc and Alex Dabrinkit. Like, it's not like they dealt them away because they thought they were bad players. Yeah. That's that. That's a, a really rough team. And, but it's going to, it's going to be a dogfight between them and Vancouver and Columbus as much as they don't deserve the good karma because of what they have done this season to Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah. I almost want to see Bedard go there because he grew up a Vancouver fan. Like that would be the equivalent of McDavid have being able to be drafted by the Leafs, right? Like some of those stories would just be too good not to have them happen. So part of me almost wants that to happen, except Vancouver fans are insufferable when their team is good. So I don't, I, you know, maybe I don't necessarily want it to happen that bad. Uh, <laughs> I saw on the Ducks Instagram account, who was it? Mark Messier or someone who used to play for them took a piece of tape and tagged Connor Bedard in a post saying, you know, your spot is waiting for you sort of thing uh, with the Ducks franchise and wrote his name in a stall in the change room. So I know a lot of people are rooting for that, but we'll see, right? We'll see. So much can happen. I mean, the, the Blues went January, the bottom all the way to the top in April. Like who freaking knows at the end of the day? And yeah, just speaking of record, Boston is the fastest team in NHL history to reach 80 points. It took them 47 games. So um, definitely good to get the two points tonight, expense, uh, especially against another New York-based team. 
and looking for our way towards the top and hopefully gain some home ice advantage. I know you said it really doesn't matter, but Beaner, Sammy is undefeated on home ice so far in regulation, so I think it does matter. <laughs> Every arena is home ice arena for the Leafs because you go into any arena on the road and the chance go Leafs go are almost louder than they are in Scotiabank Arena. So yes, there's other factors of your at home you're not in a hotel it's a rink you play in all the time so you're more familiar with it but in the grand scheme of things there might even be some benefits to being on the road maybe have less distractions fair fair i just want to let you know one little thing i found out about the uh the all-star week they thought you might find interesting is that lolongo will be a celebrity goalie for the breakaway challenge did you know that i did yeah i did hear that um I, I really hope they kind of go all out for the comedy factor and try to factor in a bathroom break or something in there from, <laughs> you know, playing off his incident in Vancouver. Oh my God, that would be hilarious, actually. Uh, before we sign off tonight, I just want to give a little quick shout out to our captain for his eight shots on goal tonight. Woo! Thank you very much. Uh, lucky to have you in fantasy any last closing remarks words comments well wishes i just wanted to touch on the first trade of trade deadline season Ooh. san jose sharks have traded matt nieto and ryan merkley to the colorado avalanche for oh. defenseman martin kout and defenseman or for forward martin kout and defenseman jacob mcdonald Wow. So for those who don't know, this is Nieto's second stint with the Avalanche. Yeah. And then Mer- Merkley has, uh, hasn't really been able to take off as much as maybe everybody thought he would when he was drafted. Drafted 21st overall in the 2018 NHL entry draft. And he's, he's still coming into his own. Only 22 years old, but still coming into his own. So San Jose gets the ball rolling early, and it did not involve Timo Meyer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was surprised to see Nieto's name, especially when you look into the stats and, you know, coming into the league 2013, being with the Sharks until 16. And he goes to the, to the abs from 2016 to 2020 back to the Sharks till 23. And now he's going back to Colorado. So I hope he still has his house there or whatever his living arrangement is because hey uh, it all worked out at the end of the day uh, if he had some psychic power there but uh, yeah looking forward to more news oh my god this trade announcement gets me excited because it just means that more is coming yep no absolutely and it's going to be an interesting year but you know considering there's there's no problems to talk about in the NHL. Like I can't see how trade deadlines going to be an issue when half the leagues in LTIR and at least a quarter of the league has no projected cap space. So yeah, hmm. No. Hmm. but we're talking about an issue that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunate. And uh, yes, until next time the Leafs play on Friday against the Ottawa Senators uh, at home. Uh, Friday is also the downtown meetup for Twitter peeps or whoever wants to come at the bottom line TO. We have Curtis from Alberta joining us and Holly from the UK uh, is in town. And then we have one more game to end the week, Washington Sunday. Four game week. So we'll be back. Um, I will be downtown. I don't know if you guys will do an epi or not, but we'll be back on Sunday. If not, I am free. So yeah, check out insidetherink.com for all your pre and post game articles. We have merch. We have awesome writers. We have an Instagram. We have, you know, everything. Just follow us. Give us some love, and we will love you back because we love chatting with y'all. And until next time, See you next time. (laughs) Oh my God. Sorry. There goes the soundboard.
Hey, Marty. And, uh, yeah, I see the problem, Johnny. Uh, how many people does it take to end the show? Uh, clearly more than me. Sorry. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more.